Are you ready? Are you ready for September? September? September. Because it's coming. Because it's coming. Because it's coming. Welcome to the next installment of the School of September series, brought to you by the Western Huntsman Podcast, in conjunction and partnership with Phelps Game Calls and Spree Extreme Mountain Gear. Elk Hunting 201. is in session. I think we're recording. What did you say you're drinking? Jack Daniels and Coke. All right, man. So the one thing that sucks when I record on Zoom is uh, I I can't figure out how to make it so that my microphone isn't a bunch louder than your microphone or 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 vice versa. So we'll see how this turns out, dude. Is uh I can turn mine down if you need. No, I, I, if you could turn yours up, can you turn yours up at all? Yeah. There we go. It's maxed out. Okay. That's a little better. That's a little better. You just don't have a, um, a microphone. You're not, you're not quite as fancy as I am. See? Hell no. I'm a, I'm a... <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens, man. When you get a couple of hillbillies trying to connect on zoom to talk elk hunting, <laughs> we, we've been trying for a half an hour. Okay, can I think it hear? is. What's that? Oh yeah, play that for. Let's test can that. Can you hear this? Oh yeah, that sounds good, man. I got yeah. better acoustics downstairs. Oh hell yes, hell yes, yeah, that sounds great, dude. All right, I'll. I'll I think we're already re- recording. I'll just start. Uh, uh, let's roll here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode. This is the final installment of the school of September series for 2022 and uh, back by popular demand. And one of my favorite people to have on the show, give it up for Mr. Tony Wintrip. How you doing, brother? Doing amazing, buddy. I miss your voice. It's glad to uh, be back on with you. This is awesome. You know, I recorded with, uh, with some, some of our mutual friends uh, over there in Washington with, with this whole bear hunting band this last winter. And they're like, yeah, we're going to get Tony on. And, uh, I, I was all excited and then come to find out something come up and you couldn't join them over at, over at yeah. black Creek taxidermy or no mm-hmm. black river, black river. I always black say black Creek. Gosh, damn it. Let me make sure. Yeah, I, got I, miss, right. I miss that big time. Uh, Joel Swecker and Mike hers and Skyler and Bo Olson and you. Yeah. 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 No, it was, it was awesome, man. Um, I, I I love, I love getting all those guys on because I think that they all bring a little bit of something different to the table when we're talking about this discussion, because you guys have gone through hell, man, over this spring bear and, uh, your, your half, half of your commission is like psychotic. (laughs) I'll just say it. So (laughs) that's, you know, what else is there to say about it? So, well, we're going to talk elk. 
And are you going to play us a song? Absolutely, man. I've been writing some new material, and uh, that's one thing that COVID did do. I couldn't play in the bars. You know, the last yeah. year and a half to two years has been just disastrous for entertainment. Oh, for so sure. It, it put me in the shop writing songs. Did uh, Are you back to playing live shows now, or are you still kind of restricted over there? Um. I've actually got my first one next weekend in uh, Olympia, Washington, and no uh, just gonna go play a two-hour uh, acoustic set like I used to. But for a while, they weren't the bars couldn't be at uh, half capacity, and then you know you 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 only made half as much money. You're there yeah. half as much time, but there's half as many people. It just wasn't wasn't worth it. Yeah, that sucks, man. Um, so. Where are you playing next weekend? Because I'm actually, we're recording. It is, uh, what Thursday night. I'm going to, I'm going to release this like either Sunday night or Monday morning so that it is live for everybody's elk season. That's kicking off. Cause, uh, I know yours doesn't start till the 10th, but like us, we start on the 30th of this month. And I know there's some people, they start on like, uh, you know, September 6th or whatever. I just want, I just want all the school of September series out before seasons start. Uh, so when does, or I'm sorry, where are you playing? Because then that way, if you got, if you got people listening, we, we have a bunch of listeners over in Western Washington. So if they can, they can hit you up where you're playing, uh, where's it, where's it going to be? It's going to be at Wildman Brewery in Olympia, Washington, seven to nine on September 3rd. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. So everybody listening, if you're in Western Washington, go check it out. Wildman Brewery. Did I say that right? Yep, Wildman Brewing or Brewery. Yeah, Wildman Brewing is the name of the the tap house where all the brand. Okay. Yeah, in, in Olympia, Washington. That's awesome, man. I I kind of sometimes I miss doing that stuff, but uh, now now I sit behind a different kind of microphone because I wasn't very good at it like you. So <laughs> this is what I'm like. I I like I like being behind a microphone, but I'm not good enough to sing behind one. So I just talk. <laughs> I'm still trying to find my way. <laughs> oh man. No, you're, uh, you're getting out there, man. I even, uh, our, our buddies, our mutual friend over there at uh, Elk Bros, Joe Gilia has been uh, oh, playing he, your song on like every episode, man. He's a dude, man. He's awesome. Yeah. The yeah, whole yeah. crew is awesome over there. They are man. Good people. Good times. Good podcast. Great podcast, by the way. Uh, if anybody hasn't heard that one, you gotta, it's called Elk Bros. Check it out. Um, so do you, do you have a song you want to, you want to kind of kick us off with and debut? Yeah, sure. Let's, let's start with that. Oh, did I introduce you? Tony Wintrip folks for, for those of you, I, I know I said your name, but if you don't know him on Instagram, he's called the elk singer. And Tony is one hell of a songwriter. He puts out music, uh, that's kind of dedicated and written for song or, or I'm sorry, hunters. Uh, he's got a bunch of elk hunting songs. He's got a bunch of other types of songs, songs for veterans, um, really talented guy. And, uh, on top of all that talent, he's able to squeeze in another talented side where he's one hell of an elk killer. And so I wanted to get him on this episode to talk about some of his tips and strategies and, and also serenade us with his guitar because he's really good at it. So, um, Tony, is this song, is this song going to be like a new song that nobody's heard? Or is this, uh, is this one of your, your tried and trues? This is a brand new song that I wrote about, probably six or seven months ago and uh nice. the, old, uh, the wilderness elk guide bo he approved of but the song's called mountain view all right right on man let's hear it 
and it's going to be recorded here and hopefully a few months i'm going to get in the studio after elk season of course yeah oh yeah 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 well can and by the way with that with that said can you uh can people jump on like iTunes and, and buy your music and all that? They, they, we could still do that. Right. Yep. And so yeah, once you record on, it, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I, iTunes, Spotify, Apple, there's a bunch of different ones that, that I'm streaming through, but this song is uh, not been re- recorded yet on there. Yeah. So you guys are hearing it first right here on the Western Huntsman podcast. That's right. Joe Gillia. He hasn't played it on your show yet. Only mine. Right? I got to give him a hard time at some point. Yeah. This one's for you, Joe. (laughs) Here we go. This is called Mountain View. Oh, my cables a little bit. There it goes. Cables suck. I know. (laughs) I left my hometown young. I carry no Chasing dreams I believed in But I had to leave my girl I was looking for adventure And gaining altitude Being a badass mountain man Just looking for that mountain I found my place in life Where the sky is blue and the air is clear Basins are full of elk and deer There's no city lights There's no TVs on the stars are shining bright at night, no telling how long I'm gone. I'm a different man, I know, this time of year. I lean on that one side of selfish, like a pickup with one gear. Short views and a hard to go. I hate changing things that are new. I'm just looking for that mountain view. Yeah. I dream of it every way. Oh, climbing is right. With a pack on my back and all of my gear. Enough to last me. 14 days And I'm in ghost mode And there ain't no road If you find me when I don't make it home You'll know that's how I wanted to go I'm a different man I know This time 
pray to God. And I hope that you do too. While you're looking for that mountain. While you're looking for that mountain. Right on, man. I love it, man. Thank you. That's awesome. I love how you, you know, just passionate you are about playing music. And, I, you know, you could just tell you enjoy it and you sound good. And I, I love the song, the lyrics. You're a great songwriter, man. Appreciate you sharing that. That's awesome. How cool. Thanks, buddy. So uh, the you're going to record that this winter. And, and uh, I can I like put that on one of my episodes when you get it professionally recorded? Absolutely, man. No problem. Sweet. That'd be awesome. I I'd love to hear that with the, uh, because you know, we're recording on zoom. So it's like cutting in and out a little bit and whatever, but um, it's it, I, to hear the full recording. Uh, I've got a couple of your songs on my, my playlist now. Um, what is the one where you're going back with the mountain house? I, I can, I'm drawing a blank on what it's called for some reason. Uh, I think it's the one Joe plays actually. Is it uh freedom? Like, my freedom. My oh, freedom. Yeah. 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 I got freedom and uh, I get my goods from the river in the woods. There's a few other ones. But. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're all good. No, that's awesome, man. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear that. Are, when you go to record it, are you, is it going to be like a full production or are you going to have, or is it going to be more acoustic? going to be a full production nice you got a good drummer i got an amazing drummer mike peterson he's yeah he's he rips them really good but sweet you're a drummer too right yeah but i'm not good as as good as the dude you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) i had that i actually sold my drums man now do you play guitar too yeah i play guitar um, I, I play guitar, but, uh, d- drums were kind of my specialty there, uh, until I started that band that I had and, and, uh, we, we toured around or whatever. Uh, I, I, I tried to pretend like I was good at the guitar. Uh, but, but drums were what, where I started. And, uh, when we moved out on the homestead here, I've got nowhere to keep them. So I sold them. So as soon as we build our house, I'm going to, I'm going to buy another set. Nice. Yeah. But the guitar did not get nice. sold. It's actually right behind me. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not an amazing guitar player but uh i've i've spent a lot of time on um, with cheap guitars because mm-hmm. i played campfires and stuff yep. i never wanted to get a good guitar and go get a bunch of you know smoke and beer stains and everything like that yeah so yeah i've i've played with a fender forever which is just a low-end guitar and, and i bought myself a taylor with the shed horns that i sold a couple years ago so Oh really? It sounds- <laughs> what? Which? What were you just playing on there? Was that that Taylor? Yeah, it's a Taylor. Oh, okay. Yeah, it sounds good, man. Um, my, I, I use this Alvarez that I'll take to the the fire, and it's been like I played around the fire while it's been raining, and it's yeah. still all the electronics still work. Uh, you know, uh, if I wanted to, for those not playing. Or that that don't play guitar. Some you know these acoustic guitars have electronic hookups, so you can hook it to an amp, and that's what this has. And I, I plugged it in like two weeks later, still sounded great. So I, I'm pretty impressed that I, I got it soaking wet around a campfire, and, and it still works all right. Awesome. 
So no, that's great, man. I can't, I can't wait. I, I need you to uh, get a show booked out in like Eastern Washington or North Idaho. Maybe I can help you with that. I'm in, man. I'm ready to go. Are I'm you ready? I'm getting a little bit older and I'm thinking about how I want to settle down in the next 10 years, you know, retiring and stuff. But the music is, it's something that I'll sit down and start plucking away and writing the songs and go, yeah. I need to start playing again. It's an addiction. I got to, I got to go back and do it. Well, I've got, uh, I've got a couple options if you want to come over here, uh, venue wise. So it just depends on if you're going to do it acoustically or, uh, if you're going to bring a full band with you, cause, cause we've got, we've got all of it here and there ain't no damn Washington restrictions on how many people can come and watch you at the bar. Nice. I'd probably yeah. do an acoustic thing coming over there, but maybe even right. throw my bow, my bow and some sticks in it. And start hunting over there too. You might as well, man. It's like pretty much almost always a hunting season over here. So, <laughs> so uh, those listening to, by the way, I, I always like to make this disclaimer. Uh, we are recording on Zoom, and we're both dudes that live out in the sticks and don't have the best internet, so we definitely have a delay. So some of that uh, delay action and response you guys are hearing, that's, that's because of that. So sorry about that, but we'll uh, we'll put it together and make it work. Yeah. So uh, so elk hunting, man. I, I know we talked last time. This is something that you've uh, you've been doing since you you were young. Uh, you, you've had a lot of success. I love that picture you post last year. I think you were like sitting in a wall tent with your guitar and had a couple of elk, um, sitting there with you, obviously the heads and, uh, and, and rack there. And it was just kind of a cool image because it kind of signifies, you know, who the elk singer is. He's out there tagging out on elk, bringing them back. He's got a, his guitar at camp, uh, sitting in a wall tent, um, relaxing after packing elk off the mountain. And it just kind of, it was one of those pictures that just painted the entire story and told a story in itself. You know what I mean? So I want to start with that. Like how did, how was last season for you? And tell us, tell us how it went down. Yeah. So it, just to tell you in advance with those pictures, I was playing a song that's going to be on the album called, is it September yet? Oh, nice. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. My buddy Pasqual, Chris Pasqual, he actually um, sent me, a bunch of words that that's going to be in the second verse of the song. So that's oh, sweet. playing in there. Pasqual is going to be a co-writer. <laughs> oh, right on, man. I love that. That's great. You know, I've tried to get Chris on the show a couple of times and he never responds to me. He's actually, a busy dude. maybe, maybe I shouldn't say that on the show. Cause I, he, maybe he did. And I, maybe I didn't respond back. So I, I shouldn't say that. So sorry, Chris, if you did. That's but it the, the invites there, Chris, man, if you want to come on the show, that's awesome. So you co-wrote a song with Chris and yeah. that happened last season during, uh, do you, are you hunting with Chris? No, no, no. It was, uh, um, I just was messing around with the idea of the September, you know, everybody can't wait for September and you know, he has the, is it September yet website Yep. and it just, it just had that ring for a song. So I, I sent him a acoustic version of what I wrote while he was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. He had some work done on him. And then he was like, that's great, man. And I said, you got any ideas? So he sent me, uh, you know, some words and then I threw the words into the song and, and anyway, that's how it went, but oh, that's it's, cool. it's going to be, going to be a cool song. 
Yeah, that's fantastic, man. Um, I love that. I'm, I'm glad you're, that's what's cool about you, man. You're, you're collaborating with other people and, and taking their input. And, um, you know, a lot of musicians don't do that, right? Like they'll, they'll, they, they don't, they want all either, the, either they want all the credit or they think that what they're doing is better than everybody else. And you're just not one of those kind of people. Um, even though no. you do have the talent, you know what I mean? It's cool. Yeah. It, it's fun to have people, other people involved. You yeah. Know? It's never, yeah. it's never been all about me, no matter what I've done in my life. There's always somebody else that's helped me get to where I've been or people that support me. It's never about me. It's about all of us. And, yeah. My dad's always said, you know, he who dies with the most friends wins. So keep everybody yeah. in your circle and be friends with everybody. <laughs> yeah, I uh, that that is definitely wise words that more people could benefit from listening to. Um so yeah, man, last season, how how that how that go for you? I feel like I'm stuttering tonight really bad, so bear with me. <laughs> it's I, all good. Uh, yeah, last season was good. Um we didn't harvest any elk till, till about the fourth or fifth day. And me and my brother went back to back. Um, we called his bull in. I called mine in and had a standoff with it for about three minutes, which is, as you know, your, your circle's getting, uh, it's getting short. Or yep. Your little time that you're having with your bull elk circles getting short. And I tried to get my steps on to, to get a shot at it and, he didn't have no shot and couldn't see it. And I literally range found that bull at like 51 yards. And I'm like, are you sure you can't shoot? And he goes, no. And so I picked up my bow that was laying there on the ground. Cause I thought that this was going to be his, you know, first elk. And, and, uh, it was like now or never. And I, I slung it, heart shot it. It was a good deal done in about three, four minutes. And nice. he was really excited about the whole situation, but, uh, you know, every cool. situation with calling elk is different, and you have you have to capitalize on them. You might only get two or three opportunities a year. Sometimes you might only get one. Mm-hmm. And no matter no matter who's in the shooting seat, if somebody else can't shoot it, let's go, boys. We got to get this. We got to do this. I mean, our whole party we eat elk meat a lot, and there's five or six of us, and we split it up, and we got. I think we only got the two last year, so. You know, there we go. We split up two elk between a party of five or six guys. If we don't capitalize on that second one, we got one. We got one to split up between all of us, and you know, it doesn't go too far. But so that's the way it goes, man. That's just elk it right there. God, that's awesome. Now, yeah. were these were these uh, Roosevelt elk you were hunting? Yeah. Yep, these were Roosevelt bulls. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. And so you're hunting Western Washington. Uh, where else have you hunted again? I, I, it's been like what, two years since you, I, I had you on the show. It's been a while, man. Yeah. Yeah. We've, uh, I spent some time hunting in Oregon, killed a couple of really nice bulls in Oregon. Um, a couple bulls in Idaho and I have not killed a bull yet in Montana and I got some points in Wyoming, but yeah. basically Washington, Oregon, Idaho. Oh yeah. Idaho's. Yeah, Idaho was yep. awesome too, but got a couple of bulls here. And, I, you know, now, I just, Idaho sucks. I don't yeah. think anybody should come to Idaho. <laughs> no, Idaho nobody should go there. <laughs> <laughs> I always send them to Montana, <laughs> <laughs> and then I get nasty messages from people in Montana. Quit saying that. 
it's, it's all out of love, folks. Um, I want to get, you know how, I think, how did I ask this last time in the last school of September? I had Joel Turner on and I asked like, you know, generally speaking, everybody has a general philosophy centered around what their their strategy is for chasing bulls in September. And um, I, it's kind of a new question I've come up with. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, like your general philosophy as to, you know, some people are big time into just covering country and calling. Other people are into spot and stock. Some people are into, you know, just cow calling them in very subtly and not even knowing that the bull is coming in. Other people are targeting strictly herd bulls. Uh, kind of give us give us your overall phil- philosophy. What what makes you tick in the Elkwoods and what what are you targeting and, and how do you target that particular target? That was a lot of ways to say target. Uh, camaraderie is number one for me with the guys that I hunt with. We, we feed off of each other super well. Um, we usually have a a plan of which herds we're going to go after first, you know, who wants to go here, who wants to go there. Right. And, uh, I like to go places that I've harvested elk in the past. Typically creatures of habit, they're going to be there again, whether, Mm -hmm. unless it's logged, which we have a lot of trouble with that, you know, the yeah. timber patches we harvested elk in before each year is a, you know, a new lesson. Like when you go in there to scout and you're like, Oh shit, that's on the ground. There's no, nobody's coming back here now. You know, they clear cut it. Um, so, but I like to, uh, I like to go where there's water. Obviously September is that biggest, biggest thing. Um, elk need water, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'll, I'll go back to those places. Um, I like to go back to places where they, where I know that there's a bull or two that survived from the year before and, you know, knowing he's a year older and he's a little bit bigger. I'll, uh, I like to focus on those type of places. Can I ask you a um, question about that? Yeah. What, how do you, how do you know that that bull survived? Are you, are you, are you up there kind of after rifle seasons monitoring what, what took place? Um, Sorry, man, I'm messing with this microphone. It really feels like I'm way louder than you, and I can't figure out how to adjust that. I don't want it to sound like shit. No, it sounds great on this end. Does it? Okay. It doesn't sound like I'm screaming at you or something? No, not at all. You sound perfect. Okay. All right. We'll 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 roll with that and see how it sounds. Okay. Um, is that what you're doing? You're just kind of doing some postseason scouting, or, or how do you uh, you have cameras set? How do you know? Cause I, 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 yeah, I do have cameras. Um, it's a, it's a pretty small circle here on the Washington coast, especially I'm friends with about elk, every elk hunter from here within a hundred miles of where I live. And typically somebody will say somebody harvested this bull or they harvested that one or that bull's still alive. That bull made it, you know, and it's all in the memory bank for me. I don't forget that, you know, especially the ones that, that are, are left to come back for the next year. The, the kicker is um, during the summer, when you go to find them, they, they might be 20 miles from where they rut. Yeah. So, so scouting those bulls and knowing which bull's going to come back to that same place that he was a year before is a little bit tricky at times. You just have to trust that if he stuck around there for a week or two and bred a bunch of cows last year, he's coming back. 
that so. that that's exactly kind of what I was going to ask you is it, is it your belief cuz I believe this I I believe if I find a bull and for some reason uh well not for some reason most likely he's going to survive my wrath and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um one of the things I've noticed is is that bull is pretty much in the same exact spot the next year is that is that what you find I mean, I mean, down to the, the hundred square feet radius, you know what I mean? Yeah. We've, we've found a lot that, uh, especially hunting this timber company land, it's a lot different than hunting the the Rocky mountain bulls in the mountains. We have places around here where you have to get a permit to basically get into a gate system and hunt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And a lot of times people are gone right after December those elk have no pressure for until uh, August is when the next permit you have to go year to year. So it goes to August. So then people will start coming out right before bear season or right at bear season. But as long as you got that permit, I spent a lot of time out there calling predators and you know, those bulls in the winter time too, they're, they're not so hard to find come around March, April, something like that. They're pretty, yeah. they're tired. They're trying to refill up and, and get healthy again. And so I can find them then too. And then I'll know, you know, if that bull's, you know, he's alive right now and he's coming back in September. So it's good to see him grow, man. Oh yeah, it totally is, man. Um, I there's, I've got one particular bull that I have uh, screwed the pooch on two years in a row, uh, including last year. And he's got a drop time he had a drop time last year, but I, wow. I can't confirm he's still alive. I, I, I haven't been able to find him. Um, but that's not abnormal. I should know more in like a week. So we'll see, but he's, I mean, he's a great bull. He's probably going to, he's probably going to get the better of me again for a third time in a row. <laughs> <laughs> hey, confidence kills. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Um, so tell me a little bit about when, cause obviously you, uh, born and raised and, and hunted on the, the coast of Western Washington. Right. Um, yeah. and, and you've traveled to some other States going after Rockies, uh, and, and have had some success there when you're going out of state and we're going to, we're going to kind of talk to our uh, non-resident hunters here for a minute. When you're going into a new area in a new state, what are you looking for in that unit? Uh, whether you drew a tag or you're just getting an over-the-counter tag, because I, I don't want to mix the the two can be confused sometimes. But um, what are you looking for in that unit to to locate elk when you get into into the area during season? Most of all, I'm looking for some places where uh, some elk can where I can hunt without a whole bunch of other people. So I, I like to try and find a basin with no roads in it. Um, you know. Obviously, the trail systems are great, but water's huge. Everybody knows water is number one. Um, and just places that have big timber, uh, that's what I like to, you know, I've never really hunted that open, sagey country, which you guys have a lot of in Idaho, different parts of Idaho, but I'm a yeah, big not, timber. Not where I'm at. A lot of t- salt timber where you're at, isn't it? Yeah, so if you if you look at Western Washington, your area, we we look very similar here. It's a it's a damn jungle up here in North Idaho, and I love it. I wouldn't know how to hunt that sage country. No, me neither. That's you know, I guess if I was going to hunt that 
that type of country, I'd try to figure out where there's a water trough or a spring or something like that, you know, but yeah, I, I'm, I wouldn't be very good at hunting that Southeast Idaho with, with a bunch of uh, sage and stuff, but I know they grow some giant bulls in it. They do. And people kill them every year. It's crazy with yeah. a bow. Like I could see that being great rifle hunting, but with a bow in September, I'm not sure. Like, how do you call in a bull in that kind of country and stay out of his, his line of sight? And, and get him close enough to you where you can get a shot without him noticing. I, and, and not to mention maybe all the cows around you. It's crazy. But people yeah. do it every year. If you're anything like me, you're always looking for ways to improve your elk hunting skills for September. And one of my favorite ways is the Elk Collective. It's an absolute game changer in self-education. This virtual elk hunting course has over 150 videos that cover everything from elk calling, strategy, tips, setup gear much much more there's a bunch of people involved some of the best elk hunters in the woods are involved with the elk collective and they've come together to put together this virtual course to help you notch more tags in september so check it out at the elkcollective.com and use promo code all one word the western huntsman for 20 bucks off the entire course that makes the course only 69 dollars it's a great deal and I promise if you go through this course, you will go into the elk woods with a lot more confidence and a much better chance at notching a tag on the mighty Wapping. Hoffman Boots is the boot choice of the Western Huntsman podcast, and it has been for a very long time. I love my Hoffman in the Explorers, in the 6-inch or the 8-inch. Uh, they have all sorts of options for you to check out. Hoffman Boots is my go-to boot because I am a firm believer that when it comes to gear, the one piece of gear you don't want to skip on is boots. Get really good boots. And if you choose to do some Hoffman Boots, you're going to find out why I highly recommend these hunting boots. Made by a multi-generational family of shoemakers, these boots are made right here in North Idaho, and I've got an excellent deal for you if you choose to go with Hoffman Boots. Use promo code ALLCAPSLOCKHUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Get you some of these boots and find out why I love them. Uh, they're totally waterproof. They're going to give you great traction on the mountain. They're super comfortable. There's very little break-in period. Can't recommend hopping boots enough. Check it out, guys. Next on the list is Scree Gear. High-octane hunting attire without breaking the bank. You want to go into the field with good camo, right? You want, you want camo that works, that'll keep you dry, that'll keep you comfortable. You want layering systems, the merino wool, the rain gear, all the things that make hunting a little bit easier and allows you to stay in the field a lot longer. The problem with most of it is it's super expensive, not with Scree Gear. Scree Gear will give you all the high-end technical gear that you want without having to take out a second mortgage, and that's why I like it. And to make it even better, got a promo code, the Western Huntsman, all one word, and that will give you 15% off and free shipping. It's a heck of a deal, guys. I recommend checking out like their bundle packages. They have like the elk bundle or the whitetail bundle or the turkey bundle. All those bundles come with multiple pieces of gear, and you won't regret getting this gear. It's great stuff. Check out Scree at ScreeGear.com. Oh, and you want to call in an elk? Use Phelps Game Calls. I've been using Phelps Game Calls since uh, just about the beginning of Phelps Game Calls. It's a great company story, too. This company started in a little garage and is now one of the premier call companies on uh, within the industry. I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with Phelps Game Calls, whether it's turkey calls, predator calls, waterfowl, or especially I think the bread and butter is the elk calls. And I, I use the Maverick. I use the Pink. I use the Gray Amp. 
uh, check out the amp series. If you're new to calling, I recommend getting a couple of different ones and trying them out. Find out which one works best for you. But uh, I promise you I'm not steering you wrong when it comes to Phelps Game Calls. It's a great company full of great people that make excellent products that actually work. And the proof is in the pudding. Call in a lot of elk, and you will too if you trust me, by going to phelpsgamecalls.com. I got a, obviously, I got a promo code for you, right? Huntsman 10. Huntsman 10 for 10% off your Phelps Game Calls. And check them out. Phelps Game Calls. Get them close. Two last items. Check out the Reveal Cell Cams from Tacticam. Whether it is for hunting or security, these are excellent cell cams that I have all over my property. To include, I, uh, I put them on some job sites for some security so people I know, if, uh, if they're still in materials or whatever, I'm going to catch them. Uh, and another little promo code I like to throw out there is for Batum907 for anybody that is hunting bears spring or fall and you are allowed to bait. Don't forget to go to Batum907.com. Since made in Alaska, use promo code Huntsman10 for 10% off. The stuff works, and it works well. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. Yeah, you know, another thing that I like to look for is those big places with north north slopes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's always hot in September. It seems like your north slopes got your, you know, your cover. And, uh, you know, I think the food stays a little bit greener for a little bit more in the in the latter part of the summer on those north slopes before it gets completely smoked out on the on the south sides. But that's that's something that I really look for is uh, places where nobody else wants to go. Mm hmm. I guess that's the best way to start. But Would you go ahead? Go ahead. It's a it's a pain in the ass getting them out of there when you get them, but it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> well, no pain, no gain. That's what uh, somebody said. <laughs> <laughs> Big racks so, and bloody backs, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right, man. I, I love it. Okay, so you um, you're looking for uh, s- some big timber, maybe some mature old timber kind of country, North Face. Uh, with water around it and and you're in this new unit at that point once you've located that once you've found that and you're confident that there's elk in there what is your strategy are you are you a uh, spot and stock are you you going in there looking for bugles give us uh, some inside information as to your your overall strategy there i love to location bugle that being number one Uh, Mm -hmm. and if if i don't hear anything but i kind of got the faith that they're down in there i'll just start skirting around the basins obviously getting the wind right before i go down there and start ripping off a bunch of bugles and i'll look for rub trees which we call hooked up trees here in washington um hooked up and i don't know we call them hooked up trees because they always hook their horns up and it's it's a new coastal slang huh well, that I, I, I was going to say, man, you should because you're you're the big T-shirt guy. You should make a T-shirt. But that would make me think of fishing. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Pretty similar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They'll hook through the teeth and they hook their horns up. <laughs> when they're, yeah. Uh, I love it. But anyway. Um, and then uh, obviously the trails are the big thing, too. Just looking for tracks. The tracks never lie. If there's tracks going in there and you you check all the out routes first, which might take you forever going around the basin to see where they're going to go. If they leave there, that's, that's the other thing. I like to know when, when the elk go into a certain place, I like to know where they go out. 
So if something does happen and you booger them with the wind or something like that, you've got, you know where to go around to get on the other side of them and try to get ahead of them. That, that's something that's important to us here, especially because it's so brushy here. If we bump a herd of elk and we see the direction that they're going, we'll, we'll back out and we'll get around and try something different. Because you know what it's like when you stay on the backside of a herd of elk? You might just keep bumping them and bumping them and bumping them and bumping them. When if you think ahead, you could go out and get ahead of them or try to get even with them. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I have got on the backside of a herd and just stayed with them and, and killed a bull or two that way too. But it's not a, it's not as a, it just doesn't happen as much as, as it would if you went out around them and tried to figure out where they're going ahead of them. What's your opinion, Tony, like when, when you're talking about when you bugger a herd or, or maybe it's just a single bull, he busts you whether wind or visually, you know, either way he's out of there, right? He's changing, changing zip codes. Um, how long is that area kind of tainted? Does that make sense? Like how long would you wait before you went back and find out, try to find out if that bull's back there? Sometimes they're back there, you know, within a day. Sometimes they don't come back for five or six days. Hmm. So that's why it's important to know the out routes and doing it for 20 some years and hunting the same area over and over. I know most of the out routes unless they log and then they're going to go somewhere else. But, and oftentimes too, as you know, they'll go somewhere and they'll just shut up. They might stay there, but they won't say a word for days. Yeah. And then typically it's a weather change that'll get them to come back. Or it's a weather change that makes that bull decide he's ready to get fired up again. So by weather change, you're talking about uh, it's been, you know, two weeks and 80 degrees and all of a sudden a storm comes in, dumps a bunch of rain for a few hours, storm blows out. That would be that uh, what uh, I think a Dirk Durham called it one time shuffling the deck. Uh, the the weather that shuffles the deck is that is that kind of how you're what, what you're talking about there? I absolutely agree. Shuffling the deck, yeah, a hundred percent. We get we get a lot of elk. Um, we get a lot of areas that are commercial thinned, and the commercial thin allows a bunch of sunlight and a bunch of rain to get down in there, and the floor just gets green as all get out, right? Mm-hmm. So if they get booted out of there and it rains and rains and everything starts to, you know, flourish up again. It's all about the food and obviously all about the cows when it comes to killing bulls. But that, that's a big thing, man. Yeah. The weather around here, we'll, we'll get days where it's just foggy in the mornings and then sunny and it'll get 85, 90 degrees. Same thing over and over. And all of a sudden when there's a weather change, they typically will fire up the day after that first day of the transition, they're all about eating. Mm-hmm. When it rains, they're just eating. They're out everywhere. They don't care about anything. But that next day, I don't know what it does. It just triggers them. They they fire off. Yeah. I don't know what it does either, man, but I love, and I don't care if we're talking hunting elk or deer. I love hunting just after a storm. Uh, and, and I mean, if I'm hunting deer, I'm, I'm, I'm hunting as that storm's just starting to let up. I'm not even waiting till the next day. Uh, but I, I, I would agree like elk tend to just kind of shuffle around and everything changes that, that next day. 
What's your, uh, what's your thoughts on, I've had this question come in quite a bit, actually. Uh, when I'm not talking about like an active thunderstorm where there's, you know, a bunch of wind and, and lightning and, and thunder going on and raining really bad. Um, we're talking about just, you know, uh, your typical September light rainstorm that'll come in and sit in maybe in the early afternoon and hang around for a few hours where it's kind of rainy off and on. Um, do you hunt during that time? Or do you go back to camp? Like, what? What's your thoughts on when it's an active light storm? Are you hunting? Uh, bow and arrow hunt. It's yeah. That's a that's a touchy subject right there because you could literally think about going and sitting in that place where they're going to come out and feed and just wait till dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically, if it starts to to rain a little bit for us here. We're out hunting. The, the time when we usually don't go is when it gets hot in the middle of the afternoon. And we'll go back to camp and swim in the river and drink beer and play cribbage and have a good time. Yeah, but yeah. as far as the <laughs> precipitation, I mean, that's a good point. We, we would rather be hunting at that point than sitting around at camp. Yeah. Unless it- it's miserably downpouring. Yeah. If it's, I I mean, there's, there's that fine line, you know, where, uh, you can go from just a regular little harmless storm, summer storm or fall storm, whatever you want to call it. I call them summer storms because technically it's not fall until like the 21st of September or something. But anyway, um, it can, that could turn on a dime, uh, and, and it can get real dangerous really fast. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I, me and my, uh, my cousin were up hunting and, uh, it was September elk season, and man, this windstorm from hell came in. And uh, I mean, it is just the, the trees look like fishing poles, and you could hear tree the, the timbers crashing all over the place. And so we had to get off the mountain pretty quick. And it, it was it was pretty it was a pretty intense situation. We actually found a big wide open spot to hang out where no trees could actually fall on us. But then you're taking the risk of lightning going off on a tangent there. But um, I always like to answer or ask that question because it's, it's uh, that light rain for, I don't know. There's something, there's something very Septemberish about it. And very, are you bugling when it's raining like that? Will you bugle? I still, yeah, I'll bugle. Um, but once again, it's typically those critters are coming back to the same places that they've done year after year. When it rains, we know they're, you know, the number mm-hmm. one creature of habit it seems like elk elk ground is elk ground yeah um, and i'll go there and i'll bugle for sure but it, it's more about eating for them i think when that first rain hits it's typically the following day for us that that they really fire off okay but it is quiet it's it's way better to sneak um mm-hmm. Of course, Western Washington's super leafy, and when water hits leaves, I mean, your cover for stalking is amazing because it's making just as much noise when it's raining, and you can, you know, your feet are way quieter when it's raining to get in on a on a herd if the bull's not bugling. Do you feel like the rain coming down when you're when you're stalking up on something like that? Does it dampen your smell or scent at all? Do you think, or what? Do you have an opinion on that? I don't really think it affects the the smell, but the sound a hundred percent, man. It's oh yeah, the totally. Best sound ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, let's back up, man. Um, 
bugle strategy. You talked about how you like to go out and do locate bugles. Once you've located a bugle, or I'm sorry, you've located an elk because of your locating bugles. Uh, let's say that elk is, you know, four or 500 yards away, but he kind of gives you a lazy response back. What does Tony do at that point? At that point, the bull's telling me he's, he's not intimidated. It's kind of more of a like, yeah, whatever. I'm here, you know, bring mm-hmm. it maybe, or I'm just responding back to you to see where, where you're at. But first thing I do is check the wind, hundred percent, check the wind see which way it's going, and, and I'll make my plan according to the wind. So I won't make another sound once he gives his spot away. Mm-hmm. Now I need to get in that magic circle. Jimmy Horn used to talk about the magic circle all the time. You got to get into that intimidation zone. If that's the, you know, that's the bull you want, you want to get down there in that 100-yard circle and give him another bugle and then see how he responds. And if he doesn't respond to that, then you switch to alcohol. That's what I do. What, what kind of bugle? Oh, what was that? What was that last part you said there? If he does respond to a cow call, but he doesn't respond to that bugle, I'll stick with the cow call. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. So he was, you know. So the magic circle, I like that term. I like that term. hundred yards radius uh, around that bull that responded to you. When you get within that magic circle and you said you let you give him another bugle, what kind of bugle are you giving him? Like a big, nasty, gnarly, I'm going to whoop your little ass kind of bugle? Or is it more of just a, a, a slightly more aggressive location type kind of bugle? How do you do that? I would classify it as a raghorn bugle. And I call it the lazy man bugle, where I have a certain bugle that I'll do. And it's not an intimidating one. It's okay. more of a... You know, we've all seen those big bulls chase raghorns around and they're not intimidated by them. So they'll come to run them out. Right. So you, mm-hmm. you, yep. you I'll throw that bugle at them. And typically if they don't answer, then I throw that cow call out there and then he answers to the cow call. Well, now I've just made him think that I'm a bull that's on the outside of his herd. And I potentially have one of his cows because I've used both calls in the same spot. Okay. Right. Yep. So yep. I'm that, tracking. That's how, yeah, that's how my trickery works where I'm like, okay, if you don't like this, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the raghorn bugle again, which I call the lazy man's bugle. It's just a high pitch bugle from a younger bull. Then you, he's willing to come. He's willing to come and take a look because he's not intimidated. Gotcha. And when he comes to take a look, he's done. You you don't happen to have, uh, I like your attitude, man. (laughs) What uh, do you, you don't happen to have your bugle tube on you, do you? I stand by. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. While he's getting that, I'm going to, I'm going to give Tony another plug for uh, his music guys. Check it out on iTunes and Spotify and all the other places where you can download music. Um, Tony Wintrup, the elk singer. Um, by the way, guys, I, I appreciate you guys hanging in there. This school of September series. I know we had kind of an off month there and that's why we're recording this particular episode. Uh, this is going to be number two for the month of August, but I wanted to kind of make good on my promise that I was going to get you a certain amount of episodes. 
And, uh, and, and Tony has been somebody I've wanted to have on the show for a long time um, to, to talk, to talk elk hunting. So again, just keeping in mind, guys, as we do these, the idea is like, you know, you, you guys know every year I get the bugler Dirk Durham on, and, and he's one of my favorite guys to talk to when it comes to like elk calling. And then you get like Joel Turner on, who's got a different take on how, what his strategy is. And Chris Rowe has a different take on what his strategy is. And then we bring all these different ideas and, and strategies together so that it's, it's all in your head come September. So that it's, it's like this big toolbox in your mind. If you, if you're in a situation and a bull is doing one thing, you could think back to that particular episode. It's going to be a tool you could pull out of your toolbox. Uh, so again, thanks again for tuning in to the school of September. So here's Tony. He's back now. So you got your bugle, dude. Yeah. Yep. And I, I don't know how it's, I got a pretty shallow ceiling in here, so it might not resonate very good, but it might not. It might not. Man. I want to hear this lazy man's bugle. Okay. 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 Perfect. Yeah, no, that, I, that's, that's exactly it. what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that, that's it. What, Nothing what? fancy behind it. Uh-huh. You know, it's basically the sound that you hear from a mile away when all you hear is the high-end pitch of a bull bugle, right? Yeah. It's just that. And, mm-hmm. and I don't like to turn it right at him. I always turn it away so it sounds a little faded. But once again, you're trying to give him to give up his location. That's a big thing. So, but you don't, you know, you don't want to blow them out of there too. But sometimes I'll yeah. chuckle too, like a, a soft full chuckle. So it's pretty high pitched. It mm-hmm. doesn't sound intimidating. It sounds like a younger bull. Yeah, uh, that's that's exactly what that that chuckle. That actually was a really good chuckle. Uh, where it's not like an aggressive chuckle where, you know, it's not like you're, you're challenging this bull without those sounds. It's, it's like this curiosity thing, young bull, you know, they don't quite know what to do as a bull in the rut. You know what I mean? And and it's just like, it's like, it's creating more questions than it's answering. And so I, I really like that. Um, and so when, when you do that, you mentioned, uh, if he doesn't respond to that, then you're going to go to the cow call. Um, and see if it responds to that, but let's say he does answer you, whether that's, it's that lazy man bugle or that chuckle that you did there, uh, is you're within a hundred yards. And then I kind of walk us through how you close the deal from there. Basically at that point, it, once he gives up that location one more time at that hundred yards, Mm -hmm. you've got sometimes seconds to decide where you want to set up. And the biggest thing is move quick and get to that spot, you know, 20 or 30 yards from where you just called. Sometimes it might, sometimes you might make it 15, 20 feet and ear hooks coming with, you know, a lot of us have been in that situation where like, it's going to happen right now, get ready. So I like to move quick or whoever I'm hunting with my brother typically and say, you need to get to that tree right there or get to that little belly in this little ridge system right there and, We need to have him come and take a look. It's Mm -hmm. all about that. You know, he's coming to say, you're stealing my cow or you're coming to intimidate me. And all you need is that look. You've got to have him come to take a look. So if you're set up in the right spot, when he comes to take a look, like, well, where are you? Bam. That's where we get him. 
So um, again, I, I, one of my favorite types of questions is scenario based questions. And these pop into my head as people explain things to me because of circumstances that I've been in. Let's say that bull is doing exactly what you just described. He's coming in to take a look. It's not like he's coming in screaming his head off. He's not, you know, uh, ready for a fight necessarily, but he's not not ready for a fight, right? Uh, he's coming in mm-hmm. to take a look, size you up maybe. Um, and let's say he comes into 50 yards or 40 yards or even 30 yards, but there's some brush in the way. It's blocking your shot. No other sound is made. And that bull kind of just, it's not like he's busted you and is is running into a different zip code. He just kind of turns around and, and walks off. Do you have a um, solution to that problem? I, I heard this great quote the other day. Actually, now I can't even remember who said it, but they, they were talking about how problems can be super complicated and multi-layered and all these things, all, all these things. But the solutions to solve these problems are usually very simple. And so I'm, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Does that make sense? Like, how do you get that bull to change his mind and come back? Or do you have to go after him at that point? That's that changes with every bull. Some yeah. of them are ready to go. Some of them just aren't. And even the best, Dirk, Jason, um, you know, a lot of these big elk hunters that they've all gone through a situation where you threw every piece of tackle you had at them and couldn't get them to come in. That's just elk hunting. Uh, I don't believe yeah. that there's some bulls you just can't trick. That's sure. That's why they're that big. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like Mother Nature wasn't ready for that bull to go or something. But um, if there's a bunch of brush there, too, I like to sound like an elk. I will sound like an elk the whole time. I'll make noise. I'll move around. There's no standing still because elk don't make still noises. Mm-hmm. You've got to sound like an elk. Okay. So the, but the, the brush scenario, too, there's your other part where it's in your setup. You've got to think quick for your setup. I don't want to. You know, I want to be able to pull that bull to this side of the brush. I don't want that brush to be between me and that bull. But you still want to have some structure to be able to draw behind, right? Yeah, yeah. So if if they hang if they hang up behind that brush, I'll get physical with them. I'll start getting more intimidating with my call. You know, throw some. I'm I'm tempting you right now. Get out of there. Let's go. Let's fight right here. And so I'll get more aggressive with my tube and. You pretty much know within a couple of minutes if he's going to play or not. Okay. Uh, there you go. You're, you've only got minutes typically to make that choice. And then you got the wind to deal with too. If, if, if he decides he's going to sit there and put his lip up and smell and smell and smell instead of, you know, come to you, mm-hmm. probably going to turn around and go the other way. So scenario number two, kind of along the same lines, uh, and, and I think I think I know how you're going to answer this because it does kind of fall into that's going to be super dependent on the bull and his attitude and everything else. But we've all been in those situations where you've got a bull coming in, right? And you, you feel like you've got a good setup, but he needs two steps. It, maybe he stopped. He's in the brush. He's looking kind of in your general direction, but he's just stopped. And, you know, that... Uh, where, where it's one of those moments where it's probably only 10 or 20 seconds, but you feel like it's an hour, but it's, there's just like this stalemate and you just need him to take a couple of steps. 
do you have, is there something you would do in that situation or what would you recommend? Cow call. Cow call. So having a diaphragm in your mouth, ready to go. Yep. And just like a mirror. Yep. Yep. Turn it the other way. You know, if you can turn your face a little bit so you're not blowing his eardrums out and cow call a little bit off to the side, anything to try and get him to look. And that's the best situation for two people is you've got that collar behind you that's willing to make a couple extra noises with his feet or something to get him to start looking around, you know, for the shooter to get the shot. But if you're soloing, you just, you got to hope that your body's hidden enough, but your cow calls going out where he's got to start looking. He's, you're just looking for two steps, right? Yeah. So at that point, you got nothing to lose. You're at a standoff. You're like, well, I'm going to try and cow call and see what he does, which I've done a few times and killed bulls this way is just those extra couple steps. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll cow call typically. And, you know, if I have to bugle, I'll just turn the bugle around the other way and bugle really quick and, you know, hope that he takes two steps. You've made, you've made a couple of emphasis on your setup. Um, can you describe what an ideal setup would be to Tony Wintrip, the elk singer? I would describe my best setup with a big tree that I could hide behind, or I'm right on the edge of a ridge top. They love to come down ridge tops. Um, where I got that structure, I can hear him coming. It's going to be a freaking top pin shot. Arrows knocked. And when he start, when I hear those hoofs coming, he's he's close. Um, but that's my structure. It's either a ridge top or a tree, a stump, which I've called them in clear cuts on the backside of a stump before that was big enough. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of getting them to come to take a look. It's all about the look. So you you said you stand behind a tree because I've heard a lot of people talk about how. Um, you know, never stand behind a tree, get in front of a tree. And I, I kind of learned my lesson the hard way with that. Um, are you're, you're going to stay kind of behind a tree where you're covered and, and, uh, you know, visually just obviously difficult for the elk to find or whatever. Uh, and that's where you're waiting for that bull to come out and you've got like a, a shooting lane ready to go. Uh, and, and, and then I want to ask a question about the ridge, but, um, so is, is that, is that what you st- I don't know how to ask that. That's what you typically do is you you find a tree and get behind it. Yep. And the reason why is for drawing, right? Uh We we all need to draw behind something. It's the best place to draw behind. And you can structure your body to where that bull is going to come. This is how I do it anyway. I'll structure my body to where that bull's coming from. And then as soon as he gets to where I know... That's another thing, ranging everything while you're sitting there, you know, range everything as quick as you can. And then as soon as he gets to the point where I can pull back and I'll lean right out around the tree over. If you don't don't have that structure to draw behind, it's all about the setup and being able to draw because you've seen a hundred people on these videos in the open where the bull comes in and they go to pull back. He's gone. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's happened to me a couple of times. Yeah. You got to have something there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just sec- Jim, just a second. I got to put my charger on my computer so it doesn't go dead. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Give me, give me 10 seconds. So did you guys hear that? Uh, so he's going to set up like right right behind a tree and almost like Peter Pan that 
bastard by by leaning over the side of the tree. Uh, One of the things that I don't like about recording over Zoom is as Tony's explaining this stuff, I can see him, but I know that this is an audio only podcast, so you guys can't see him. So I I try to be really uh, careful about what I'm assuming you're picking up. So if I if I miss something with that, I apologize. But what he, he was showing me, he was physically showing me that if when he's drawn back. Uh, from his waist up, he's just kind of leaning over the side, nice and slow, like to get that bow over, uh, you know, on the other side of the tree so he can get a good shot, clean, clean shot. So how's that, Tony? You, you get you all plugged in there, yep. brother? Yep, I'm plugged in and, and you're exactly right, Jim. It is a little bit of a peekaboo game, but mm-hmm. I've learned this through trial and error. As many times as I went to pull back, and it takes you a minute, not a minute, but seconds to pull back and settle a pin. And they're looking. But if you can get drawn back behind your structure, stump, tree, bush, whatever, you already know the range. That's the key thing is knowing the range. Knowing the range. Okay. Lean out one second, shots off, you're good. Okay. I like that, man. If, I'm going to try that. Yeah, and and I do uh, I do agree with the people that say you can get in front of a tree as well as long as that tree you know you don't have any daylight on left or right of you you're yeah. pulling back straight in the middle but yeah we I've seen it so many times where they see you draw from here to here they're gone they're like bucks right yeah when they're dialed in yeah. and coming in and they notice something that ain't right I like to be able to pull back they're still walking yeah stop done. Yep. I, I, uh, yeah, I would second that totally, Tony. And just from, I had a bull, this was, this was three or four years ago. He's coming in hotter than a firecracker. I mean, he he was a, he was a hobo on a ham sandwich, man. He was mattered. He was super pissed. Uh, and he was coming in super hot and raking up trees as he's, and I could see his antlers just raking these trees. And I wasn't thinking, and I stepped in front of a tree because I had heard it on a podcast or something. And, and, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I think that in a lot of cases, as like you said, as long as you're not in direct sunlight, your camo should do the job. But uh, yeah. that's what that's what's hard about doing it in front of a tree, because in the heat of the moment, sometimes it's hard to be like, OK, I'm going to stand right there in front of this tree to kind of help cover me. But I'm not going to really pay attention to whether or not I'm in the sunlight or in the, in, into a shadow. You know, sometimes it's just hard to think about that kind of stuff in the heat of the moment. And that's what I did. I stepped right in in the sunlight where an hour before it would, it would have probably been fine and shady and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, that bull comes around this, this brush and is coming right at me. It would have been a perfect 20 yard broadside shot. And he just didn't, he didn't even look at me directly. He just kind of noticed me cause I was in the sunlight and turned around and was out of my life forever. And I've been crying in my beer ever since. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> I crawled into a whiskey bottle and have not been out yet, yeah. Tony. <laughs> That's a song. That's a song, Jimmy. <laughs> See, I'm giving you all these song ideas, man. <laughs> uh, I think that one's already been written. Um, I oh, going back to uh, going back to that what you were talking about on a ridge. So I want to paint the picture because I know what you're. I know what you're talking about. You've got a bull. He's he's uh, on the other side of the ridge from you, and he's screaming, and he's coming at you. 
And you're, you're saying you like to set up. So it's basically an uphill shot for you waiting for that bull to come up and over that ridge and kind of skyline himself. Is that, is that what I'm, did I track that right? Yeah. To some extent, a lot of that is too, uh, with like clear cuts, we got clear cuts here. They're always out in the clear cuts. So if, if they're hanging out in the clear cut and you can't make a stock down there, but you feel like you can get close enough and say, well, maybe I can pull in a hundred yards over here to this ridge. Yeah. You get to where you're on the backside of that ridge where he can't see you, right? Mm-hmm. You got to you got to get your sound out of that little pocket there, but you need him to come take a look. If you try to call him in the middle of a clear cut, he's going to look every single time you call and go, well, there's nothing standing over there. There's no cow over there. There's no bull. So the idea is to get in a depression, which is basically the backside of a, a ridge, but right near the top. To where you can, you know, peekaboo a little bit, you know, but the idea is to get him coming to take a look. It's all about the look, right? Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you hear that, you know, he's 20, 30 yards away from you, you can pull back on the backside of that ridge and slowly get up there and let him walk into your view and there's your shot. But if you're not in the backside of that ridge or that depression, he's going to, he's not coming. Yeah. Because he doesn't see the cow or the bull that's calling to him. What would you say? I think that you were the first person I ever asked this to. Um, and I, I think that most answers are fairly similar. And obviously, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of people on this show, so I don't remember exactly how you answered this. But what's the difference? Like, what's a what's a real noticeable difference? Dude, you're Jack and Coke. I feel like every time you take a sip, I feel like it's getting uh, emptier and emptier. Do you need a refill, brother? No, I'm good. You good? Okay. Okay. We're good. Um, I'll take one when you take one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still good, man. I'm, I'm like milking it. I had an episode, a couple uh, episodes back where I feel like I got, I got a little too uh, happy with the uh, ja- Jack and Coke. Actually, it's bullet bourbon is what I'm drinking. <laughs> I, I put that, I put that episode out and then I listened to it like three days later and I'm like, ah, shit, man. I got, I, I drank too much whiskey on that one. You could tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the fun though i don't care that's right um what was i asking you man i got i got sidetracked by our our whiskey talk um, um oh that's what it was what what is like the a noticeable difference between hunting roosevelt elk and rocky mountain elk would you say a uh, noticeable difference um well, altitude number one, which I don't think has much to do with uh, the calling scenario um, between, you know, I'm hunting the, the floor of the West Coast where our altitude is about eh, 20 feet above sea level. God, that's nuts you know? to think about, man, that you're elk hunting at, yeah. at almost sea level. Yeah. And then, you know, you go to you know, the Rocky mountains or, you know, go down to Oregon or wherever it is. But I think I've said it many times, but it seems to me like the, the Rocky mountain elk are pretty aggressive for me when I'm calling them. I've had some great shows with Rocky mountain elk that were fired up. Mm -hmm. Um, On the flip side of that, I've had some Rosies do the same, but it seems to me like the Rockies are a little more, little more persuade persuasive to coax you know 
Are they easier to piss off? Um, I don't know if it's pissing off, but we did have a, I killed a 350 bull, 349 bull that was absolutely on fire. And his vocal got louder and louder and more squeal in it the closer he got. He was super pissed. Um, but then I've called some other bulls down in Oregon that they weren't as feisty when they came in, but they came in pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that means that there's there was just more bulls in the area where they felt like they had to hurry and get to a cow call as fast as they could, or you know they're all friends and they come to a a bugle because they think that this other guy's got a bunch of cows with him. He's going to go join up. Yeah, I yeah. Hmm. I don't really know how to answer that one. Yeah, I I don't either. I you know I think it's all. <laughs> A lot of it's speculation. I mean, like anything, elk hunting, man. A lot of this stuff is, you know, we have that you can have like 10 experiences and six of them go one way and four of them go the other. But the ones that go your way are going to stick out in your mind a lot more. And so that maybe become becomes a thing in your mind where that is what works and that is not what works. You know, where the next guy can have the totally flop situation where his six uh, things that went right for him were the exact opposite of your six that went right. And so his opinions totally flopped. And I think that's what happens because like you said earlier, you know, it's so dependent on the bowl. It's so dependent. Every bowl has its own attitude and mood that it's in. Like one bowl, if you're there on a Tuesday, he might not have any interest in talking to you. He might let off a little squeak and just kind of wander off and you'll never see him again. But then you go back on Thursday and that bull is so pissed and so mad and so offended that somebody bugled at him within that, uh, not quite into that magic circle like you were talking about, but close enough he could hear it, that you could do, you could make every mistake on the planet and still get that bull within bow range, you know? And so it's, it's so, there's so many layers. And I think that that's why I love doing this series because I was thinking about, this is like the, uh, the third season of the school of September, right? The third series season. And what I love about it is I was worried about, oh man, we're going to, I'm going to run out of content or questions or, or things to talk about for September archery elk season. Uh, if I keep this going, but the reality is, is I'm really not because that's how many layers there are to September archery elk hunting. And I think that that's why so many of us are so passionate and almost to a level of obsession with hunting elk in September with a bow. What, what do you think? I do too. There's a, uh, it's so many different styles. There's so many people that, you know, they could tell you every time that they went to call an elk and they called it in and killed it. But yeah, there's so many times that that's not accurate. It just doesn't happen that way. You could have one year where everything goes perfect and you go to do the same thing the next year and you sit there and you look at yourself like, well, what did I do? Yeah. Why didn't he come in? What what was different? Yeah. And I don't think it's always all about calling because sometimes they're just not ready. Sometimes they're not fired up. I mean, hell, half the time, sometimes in September, you could get a, a young bull that's not even got his horns rubbed completely off yet because he's not even that interested. You know, so true. Age, yeah. Uh, age is another thing, you know. Uh, and then the peak rep times. I mean, I'd say the peak rep times here on the coast are about, always about the 10th through the 20th of September. 
lot of people will say, you know, Rocky Mountains bulls are the same, but some will say they had better luck in the latter part of September. So, and I don't know if that's because yeah. those bulls have already bred a bunch of cows and they've moved into new areas where they hear a hot cow call and they go, oh crap, you know, and they got to hurry up and come. I don't know. I don't know either. I think that there is a lot of uh, limiting beliefs uh, centered around. I mean, I believe that at different times of September, you got to target bulls and hunt them a little bit differently. Like, you know, the first week of September is going to be maybe a little bit different than the 20th of September in terms of strategy. But I think that there are also some limiting beliefs as to, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to go out before the 10th of September because nothing really happens. Or, hey, I only hunt the 10th through the 15th or the 10th through the 20th because that's the peak rut or the 15th through 25th because that's the peak rut, depending on who you ask. Uh, and then you have some people that, uh, you know, have this belief that nothing's going to happen until towards the end of September. And, and the thing is, is I am one of the dumbest elk hunters you will ever meet in your life. And I've managed to call in elk every single different aspect of the month of September. And like, there's not a lot of difference in terms of how much uh, passion is in that elk's uh, attitude. You know what I mean? Like I've had pissed off bulls on September 1st and I've had pissed off bulls on, on October 4th when our season is already closed, but I can hear them and I go mess with them with my bugle tube. You know what I mean? And, and so I think that, I think that the way and the strategy that you approach elk during September does need to change when you're talking about pre-rut to, to peak rut, to post rut, all that kind of stuff. Sure. But to think that you can't kill elk in any one part of that season, man, that is so limiting because you're wrong. You, you can like you, you can't, I, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You totally can. Totally. And another thing is it's just picking the, uh, the demeanor of the bull too. You know, if he's, if he's answering super aggressive, yeah, you, your chances are going to increase. I think mm-hmm. for calling, but you might end up with one that's just barely talking back to you. in in the first of September, just say like, well, you know, we, we just got going here basically. Yeah. I'm not really that interested, but I'll respond to you. You know, Hey, you still got a chance of killing them, Yeah, oh, but absolutely. they might not be as aggressive as you said, like, you know, a week later, all of a sudden one day he fires off and you're like, Whoa, now you're ready to play. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It, yeah, man. Is it, is it the hot cows that make them do it? Probably. Yeah. I think so. I, I don't know. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. So, all right, man, are you ready for the lightning round of questions? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I remember them all, but I'm going to try to go off the top of my head. But uh, this, th- these are some of the most, I call, I, they, they fall under this category because it's the most um, asked or frequently asked questions I get regarding the school of September. Cause I'll do things like, Hey, send out, send out a post or whatever. Hey, uh, what, what's your biggest question hunting in September? I, I would say one of the top three most common is uh, full moon hunting versus non-full moon hunting. Uh, what is your take on it? Well, I don't have a huge take on it. Um, and I guess I would say that because of our weather system here on the coast, if you might have a full moon here <coughs> and it might be foggy as all get out for, I don't know how many days all through the night. So 
if it's foggy on the floor, but that full moon's blazing up there, those mm -hmm. elk probably don't know it underneath that fog layer. You know, there's, but people that hunt the Rocky Mountain elk, you know, and they're up there in the high country when that moon's out at night, obviously elk are feeding all night long. You know, as yeah. far as the trigger in the estrus cycle, uh, you know, history says that it does trigger the estrus cycle in deer and elk. Mm -hmm. But I'm hunting no matter what, whether there's a full moon or not. Uh, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to it, really. Yeah. Deer I, season? I don't either. In October, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Do you? What about, oh, what yeah. about, uh, what about November? Or, or, wait a minute. Are you, are you talking about do, uh, cause you probably hunt blacktail, huh? Yeah, we hunt blacktails. Do they rut in October or is it still a November thing? The end of October, basically through mid November. And I always fall, I've read all the hunters moon and all the different, uh, moon, you know, and, and, uh, salooner cycles and all that. But I am a, I'm a pretty firm believer in that. Uh, full moon in October trigger in that estrus cycle for deer. Yeah. But as far as September with elk, I don't know much about it. I just go out and bugle and call in elk or, or chase them down and shoot them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think, I think that that's a, that is one of the, and no offense to anybody who's asked this. Uh, I don't mean it that way, but I think that it is um, one of those questions that maybe gets too much uh, credit or too much credibility in terms of what the effect is. Um, I don't know. I've just, I like hunting when it's a full moon and a lot of people are, they disagree. They think it shuts the elk up, but man, I don't know. I've had, I've had some great luck around the full moon. Uh, okay. Lightning question. Uh, lightning round question is if you had seven days to hunt elk in September, I know we talked about this just a minute ago, but, uh, we still have our favorite time frame. Uh, what would be the seven days you would choose? Uh, and would that change hunting Roosevelt versus Rocky Mountain? Seven days, I'd go the 14th through the 21st. Is that the and same I for both probably, species? I would do the same for both species. All right. There you have it, and folks. I, I think I would do that just because of the fact that if I went back to my harvest report cards for the last 20 some years that I've been doing this, I bet I've harvested a lot between that time, okay. probably average more during that time. And I know this for a fact that I've killed my biggest bulls between that time period. One exception, the 22nd of September. One, okay. Okay. Well, we'll let that one slide this time, Tony. Yeah. One day later. <laughs> don't, don't do it again. <laughs> um, what about, uh, so to take that, that question to the next level, um, if you could only hunt three hours in a day during your favorite seven day time period, um, would you choose morning, midday or evening time? I would choose between nine and 12 o'clock in the morning, nine and 12 o'clock. Yep. All right. I, you're the first one to answer it that way. And, uh, I would tend to agree my brother. Now don't tell, actually, I don't want you to tell people that I want people yeah. usually by nine o'clock, they're all back in camp having uh, donuts and stuff. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I think, nine, I think nine to 12 is, I mean, obviously I've, I've killed a lot in the late afternoon into that early evening, but mm -hmm. I think nine to 12 in the morning is that time where, those elk have got into callable places. 
You know, okay. if they're feeding until seven, eight o'clock in the morning, you're getting them in that transition, moving to somewhere where you can actually call them in. They're typically going to bed, right? Mm-hmm. And I think yep. that when they're on the way to go to bed is the best time to do it because they're on their way up. You can you can hear the direction that they're going to the place that they want to go to bed. You can go get ahead of them. But I think that once they're already in their bed, you still got a good chance. I mean, you got to you can intimidate them big time right there. Like, okay, I yeah. just got here. I'm, you know, but that's probably my biggest reason why nine to 12 is awesome because yeah. they're just going to that spot. Um, go to, uh, da, 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 da. what is your arrow setup in terms of weight? Do you have a recommendation for that? Or is that not something like, I, I don't ever have an answer to that. I don't even know. I, I don't know. I, I just have them set up and they work. What, what about you? Um, I'm with you. I've, I've stuck with the same setup for so long where I shoot 350s with a 125 grain arrow, uh, an insert. Um, I've switched arrows so many times. I've switched broadheads a few different times because some broadheads flew better with different arrows. Right now I'm using the, the new Spartan arrows. I used to shoot the, uh, the uh, Maxima Red 350s, mm-hmm. but I... I since moved to a different uh, setup, but I'm using the Exodus 125 grains. I mean, I think my whole setup's like 440, something like that. 440 ish. See, see, that's even more nailed down than mine. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm over 400. That's about all I know. <laughs> well, what size broadheads do you use, Jim? I I do 100 grain. 100 grain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, but I, I'm not like set solid stone on that. I, I think, I think the broadheads I've got now are the grim reapers. Does that sound right? See, see what I mean? Yeah. Like I, some people, some bow hunters are super technical, man. They'll tell you, man, my arrows fly at 427 miles an hour. It, it, you know, they, and that's, that's totally fine. It's just not my thing. You know, I don't, I don't have a freaking clue. And I just know that I use the same shit and I practice a lot. And uh, I'm pretty deadly with it. You know what I mean? And and that's yeah. what I, well, I say that I, I've, uh, I hit a couple elk over the last couple of years where um, it, it, deadly was not the right outcome. Um, but anyways, the, I, I just, I always, I get that question quite a bit and I want to be able to answer it for people because I am not the right guy to ask about it. So um, that's good to know. I think, I think we're shooting yeah. about the same other than you do the 125 and that that's what I think my point was is I wouldn't be opposed to going up to a 125. Uh, but right now for, for the last like five years, it's been hunter grain and, and I just haven't switched it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge speed guy with bows. I'm more about a balance with what fits my, my bow. I've shot the same bow for going on, tw- going on 12 years now, the, the Hoyt Maxis 35. Wow. Man, I can't put it down. And this will be, this will be its 12th year. And I've killed a bull every year that, since I've had it. And if not two, a couple different years where I hunted Oregon and Idaho, but it's, it's, yeah. you know, everybody's like, no, you need this. You need it to go faster. You need, you know, and every time I go shoot it, it does what I want it to do. And that's all I could ask for. Yeah, man. I would almost be afraid after that long 
to to get a new bow because like that almost seems like just the the right recipe for a bad omen or something you know <laughs> you've had great success with this bow and then you go get some new fancy one and maybe you don't even see an elk all season how would that that would that would be my luck that would be my luck i finally upgraded last year to the pse uh that, that i've got now uh, i love it but um I don't know. I don't know if there was bad, bad Oma with it or not, but, uh, you know, I don't know how superstitious you are. I'm very superstitious. I, I am too, man. Same, <laughs> I had the same baseball glove through high school and college. Did and you really? It was, it was worn out, but it, it didn't feel right when I put a new glove on. And that's yeah. the way my bow is right now. It's like, yeah. it worked for me. I'm comfortable with it. I'm not comfortable with something else yet. So I'll use it till it breaks and it's it. freaking, yeah, it's a yeah. dinosaur. But it works, man. Are you like a mountain man? You're notching, you're notching the, one of the arms every time you get a bow to, or a bowl down with it. No, <laughs> no, I don't do that, but I've been noticed. I've been known to, to put bull down on a tree with a knife when I kill him there. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. I'll keep an eye out for that. So I know if you've been there or not, and I'll know if I'm in the right place. <laughs> uh okay what what was the last lightning that was the the arrow foc or just uh arrow setup um yeah shoot i lost my i lost my list of questions here uh what what is the number one you've been out there doing this a long time what what would you say the number one mistake that uh bow hunters that don't notch a tag make scent scent control or scent Yep, I would say scent, and I would say not getting the wind right. Um, I definitely think scent is your number one uh, resource for for killing elk. And I say that because you know people will throw their clothes in a washing machine mm -hmm. with soap and then go out there. And if you're the final minute of taking an elk it smells you before you get the shot. I would throw sin as your number one, uh, you know, your number one reason why you didn't kill them. Okay. And you can fix all that by like, for instance, I'll take all my gear before I go out. I throw it in a bin and I take cedar limbs. I take fur limbs, everything that goes with the terrain that I hunt. And I throw it all in the same spot and let it sit there for three days before I even put them on. No shit. I've never heard of that every, before. Every year. For I mean, elk? the limbs. Oh, yeah. Every year. The limbs, the, the pine cones. That's another one. Pine cones. Anything that has the natural scent. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've mm -hmm. tried the spray on stuff before. And, you know, I've been a sucker for that forever. Squirt, squirt, squirt all over you. But yeah. <laughs> if you got if you got access to walk right out and cut a limb off in your backyard, and throw it in your bin. And when you get to elk camp and you pop the lid on that, your clothes smell like that branch. That's yeah. what you want. For it's natural. That's good to know. That's good. Uh, that's a good little, tr I, I think that would be great for the whitetail hunting. I do when I'm, when I'm chasing mm -hmm. whitetails, I'll bet you that'd be pretty effective, man. Cause I, I, I am too. I I've never, I've never been into like scent control products for elk hunting, but, um, I've fallen for quite a few of them for when we're talking like being in a whitetail uh, environment or even mule deer. I mean, even mule deer, they, I mean, shit, man, you, they're anyway. Um, 
I'll get off down a rabbit trail with that. I can't even tell you how much money I've spent on some of that stuff over the in the past. So uh, I like that idea, man. Throw it in a bin, get some pine needles, get a branch, get some uh, pine cones, um, whatever, and throw it in that bin, lock it up for three days. So I better, I have to do that like tomorrow, man. That's about all, all the time I've got left until season starts. You know, and the biggest one for me, probably Jim, I mean, we're very rich with resources here on the coast with, uh, every kind of tree known to man, it seems like, um, I'll take and rub them underneath my armpits. I'll go right up to the tree and grab the branch and literally try to get the pitch and everything under both my armpits and then do the electric slide between your crotch because everybody knows how you start to smell when you, when you hunt hard in September, (laughs) you sweat, but it's so important to get your perspiration areas covered with some sort of natural sand. Man, that is that is just flat out native right there, man. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last last lightning round question, brother. Um, let's say you are on an airplane and you're flying back from Nashville because you just signed with uh, a Capitol Records Nashville. <laughs> right? And you're coming home for elk season. And there's some dude sitting next to you that you've never met before who is also flying to your home state because elk season is in two days. He's never done it before. Uh, This is his first trip out West and he's super excited because he's sitting next to a future country star and elk season opens in like two days. And he asks you after I get your autograph, Tony, what recommendation would you have like, what would be your best piece of advice for somebody who's never ever in their entire life stepped foot into the elk woods? Do you have an answer for that? I would say get on Google earth. Number one, find some places that look elky. Well, actually I'd say call a biologist first because the biologists usually say, yeah, try this area or try that. And then I would get on Google (laughs) earth and say, Look for places where there's water. Look for places there's cover, and get a get what? Yeah, depend. Is he bow hunting or is he rifle? He bow hunting. He's it's bow hunting. he's on his way to September, or uh, yeah, oh. I, September archery elk. I see a tongue tongueful. Well, and then the next thing I would do is I'd give him to give him a phone number of one of my buddies and say, "Call this guy; he'll help you." i i I love to give advice if uh you know if somebody's willing to take it and uh yeah you know at times i mean i i feel like i've i've shot enough of these critters in my lifetime that sometimes it's better watching somebody else do it and seeing the look on their face when they kill something and, uh, you know, appreciating the fact that somebody gave him some advice. So at mm-hmm. times I feel like I'm willing to just set my stuff down and, and give somebody like that a hand and say, this is what it's all about. Let, let's go do this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that vibe from you, man. I feel like you're, uh, you're one of those, like if, if I was brand new to elk hunting, uh, I'd be, I'd be lucky to know you. Cause I'd, I'd call you up. I'd definitely uh, i've we, we've been friends for a while now and and uh, watching every season go by with you um it's it's always like well you know yeah, I, if if i had to write a check to myself and i could only cash it 
if you notched a tag, that money is as good as in the bank, man. Um, and, and it's just a, you're solid and consistent that way. So it's always, it's always fun and always a pleasure. Um, do you want to wrap us up with one more song? You got one more song in you or should we, uh, should we call it a night? It's up to you, man. I don't want to put any pressure on you. I got one more. Okay. Awesome. I was hoping you'd say that. I just didn't want to make you feel pressured about it. All right, guys, he's grabbing his guitar. I mean, man, I that is it? a sweet looking guitar, man. Oh, what was that? I'm sorry. I was trying to decide if I needed, if I was going to play a new one or, uh, or one of my old ones. How about well, this, that? Since yeah. it's getting close and everybody's getting a fever, we're going to play the fever. Okay, let's do that. I love the fever. Here we go. Man. 
with the Western <laughs> Hunt. All right, man. I sure appreciate that. I love that tune, man. Uh, one day, Tony, one day you and I are going to share a campfire with our guitars and, uh, it's going to be a ball and it's going to be a hell of a time. And it'd be my honor for sure. So, um, I sure appreciate you joining me, brother. I always have a blast with you, man. I can't wait till we get to sit down with a handshake one day and, and, uh, share some tunes and yep. have a couple whiskeys and have some fun. That's right, man. We're going to do it. So, uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Wintrip, the Elk Singer. Check him out on Instagram. It is going to be in the show notes. He is my brother from another mother. And I'd tell him uh, I'd, I'd wish him good luck this season, but he don't need it. So, uh, my friend, thanks again. And uh, let's let's keep in touch and talk soon. You got it, buddy. Thank you so much. And uh, good luck to you, Jim. Thanks. made it all the way to the end thank you so much for tuning into the show we sure appreciate your support this is jim huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at instagram at the western huntsman and on facebook at the western huntsman and you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com thanks again we'll see you guys next time stay western and i'll see you on the mountain